what? There we are. What up, ladies and gents? Happy Tuesday, and we're ready to rock and roll this joint. We got a good show, a little bit of a late start, but here we go. Shut up and sit down. The Business Bros Podcast was created for you. Learn from the business professionals who come to share their stories. Find out what's working in business and social media, what's hot and what's not, straight from the mouths of successful entrepreneurs out there doing the real work. And now, welcome to another episode of Business, Business Bros. <laughs> yeah, it is that time. Who it are we talking to today, James? Who are we talking to today? Here we go. But first, all you business pros, before we jump into the show, just a quick reminder to please subscribe on whichever platform it is that you're listening to us on today. Give us a like, give us a follow, subscribe, and drop a review and help other like-minded business owners find value from our guests as we rise up in those podcast rankings. We will sincerely appreciate it. And if you want to be a guest on the show, we'd love to have you on and learn from you as well. Go to www.businessbros.biz slash podcast guest, schedule your time slot, and don't forget to follow us on all social media at business bros pod all right ladies and gentlemen we're super excited super honored to bring yet another incredible guest on the business bros pod our guest today is in the business of helping you protect and grow your wealth predictably and safely he's an advocate of pursuing purposeful investment strategies that minimize risk and maximize value while meeting his clients ever-evolving financial needs he prides himself on attending every single client meeting with no expectations and no preconceived ideas to ensure he's solving your problems not what he thinks you're struggling with if you are a real estate investor, business owner, high income earner, or retiree, you will not want to miss today's episode to learn how to bank on yourself with tax-favored wealth preservation and growth strategies. Joining us today out of Chicago, welcome to the show, hey, Sarah Ibrahim. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Hopefully you enjoyed that little bit of intro there. Yeah, I'm definitely more awake now. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Good, 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 good. All right, man. So uh, prior to this, what uh, what the audience isn't aware of is our little conversation. You're actually a little bit late today because you've been doing multiple podcast interviews. So before we even get started into you know what it is that you do, I want to know about your uh, your your what did we call it the podcast uh, tour that you've been going on tell me how that's been going for you yeah it's been awesome it's actually been amazing and i started off doing with like a couple podcasts i was on like one or two per month and then i hired an assistant to help me go through like different websites that have podcasts like for example listen notes is one of them that has a whole bunch of podcasts on there she, she started reaching out to podcast hosts that are mostly relevant to like financial services entrepreneurship business ownership real estate investing and reaching out to the host and that started connecting me with a couple. And then when I started reaching out to more hosts, I would say, Hey, I was on this show and that show. And then they would recognize that show. And then it kind of had the snowball effect. And now I'm doing about three per day. So, nice. uh, yeah, I'm definitely, so if, if I, if you, you know, if I'm losing my voice, now you know why, right? Now you know why. <laughs> All right, well, well, well let, let's hover on that, dude, because, I mean, we'll get to what you do here, but what you're doing right now is unique to the time that we're in. This is your way of prospecting. You're literally taking your message and you're taking it on tour. You're going from show to show to show, and you're sharing with that host and with that audience what it is that you do. 
How has that type of prospecting helped you, especially during this COVID time? Oh my God. It's, it's, it's the best thing. It's the best thing I've ever done. Uh, I'm constantly engaged with amazing hosts like you guys. You know, I'm constantly, you know, I'm getting a lot of exposure out there and it's, it's the best, not even from a marketing perspective, but also from a relationship building perspective, it's, it's the best thing to do. You know, for those of you who are really big on marketing and kind of trying to figure out different angles, you know, my brother took this digital marketing course and in the, in the digital marketing course, the, the host of it was like, you know, there's either inbound leads, outbound leads, or leads that come in through joint ventures and strategic partnerships. And there's one way where you could do all three at once. And guess what that is? <laughs> podcasting <laughs> exactly yeah so it's 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 not, it's a really nice way to do more than one thing at the same time dude when when you reach out to to the hosts uh because because people wonder about you know are they gonna let me on what should i say what do i do when you reach out to these people how much pushback are you getting or are you getting most people saying yeah i'd love to have you on my show when's a good time for you to come on yeah, so to be transparent, most of them are declined. You know, most I think probably ninety percent decline. But that ten percent that accept is getting me on three, almost three a day. You know, so if that's all it really takes is is that you know even even if it was less than ten percent, I think that's all I really need. Uh, and the rest decline. Some people don't even respond. Most people don't even respond. So of those who do respond, you know, nine percent are declining, and that ten percent, and that's all I really need. You know, to get on. And, and of course, it's like a snowball effect because somebody will watch the episode another host and say hey you know and people start reaching out to me now to have me on their shows and it's also just a really good way like when i first started podcasting i was super nervous and and i was and i wanted to stick to the script i didn't want to get off get off track <laughs> and kind of like you know myself out you know no so i've definitely become like better at it and not because i i was never good at public speaking at all but like just like anything else like practice you know you keep practicing practicing so that's you know that's what i love about it the most it's more than the lead generation part more than the marketing aspect of it it's just the, the human communication part of it and getting you know better at speaking you uh i'm your huckleberry i'm your huckleberry you hit a couple points there because that's it's super valid like first of all you're in sales right you're yeah. you consult you help people get to their goals all those things but that's sales hands down you still need to talk to more people and get your message out there how has uh, going on tour, how has practicing that messaging, how has help getting all out of that, that fear of public speaking, how has all that helped you fine tune your message so that when you are talking to prospective clients, now it's much easier, you're getting much more at bats. How, how's, how's that podcasting thing helped you with uh, in, your, in your actual communication with clients? Yeah, so every time I get on a podcast, I do research on the podcast. I re do research research on the host, and I kind of start this like I do a script, and and I not really stick to the script anymore. But I I kind of think about what I'm gonna say. I I even practice and like walk around like my kitchen living room practicing what I'm gonna say, you know, over and over again as if I have like as if I'm rehearsing for like a, a movie, you know, and I just keep practicing and practicing. And then over time doing that, you know, I even do homework. I'll go research a statistic or some sort of fact that I want to back up in the claim that I want to make. And I just started doing all this on the fly. Even when I'm driving now, I'll listen to a podcast I'm going to be on and prep for it all at the same time. So I think it's the, I'm just preparing all the time. So that way, once I do have a prospect on the phone or face-to-face, I know what I'm talking about because I've been practicing while I'm driving, while I'm walking around, while I'm in the shower. I've been constantly rehearsing what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it. And I think that, you know, people can feel that, not just in this situation, but in sales in general, like 
the most important thing in sales is just constantly like rehearsing your message, your product, your service, your company, what you do, what you want to sell, like over and over again. And then people will be like a magnet to it. They're like, oh, you know, this guy's mm. real. He's not full of shit. You know, sorry, excuse me. He's not, you you're know, fine, uh, he's not, you know, right. um, he knows what he's talking about, you know? Um, so, so people can kind of feel that off of you. And this is all, a lot of this is emotions. You know, people, people judge other people all the time. Even when they say they don't judge people, they're judging people. So I think it's just the homework and practicing over and over again that's made me, you know, better at, at speaking. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. You said you research podcasts and podcast hosts. I'm wondering when you research me on a th as a third party, uh, what did you find? I mean, hopefully it's nothing bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I see what you guys are doing. I actually like what you guys are doing. Um, and I think it's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, and I appreciate you guys having me on. Dude, all right, let me ask you this. Uh, tell me about your, your personal finance and what you're doing with clients on that level. How are you helping uh, individuals once, they're, once they're, uh, they're hitting you up to, to consult? James dropped in the intro that you go in with a blank slate. You go in trying to understand them as an individual versus coming in with a game plan. Tell me about that strategy and how did you come up with that? Like there's, there's still a, there's got to be a framework that you're still working off of, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, so pretty much what we do is a little bit of our company, Financial Asset Protection. We are a financial services firm. We deal with one primary concept. It's, it's called the infinite banking concept, also known as the bank on yourself concept, which helps a lot of business owners and, and real estate investors and full-time employees grow safe and predictable wealth. And the first step that we do is we would do a financial analysis. And this is mostly done virtually. So we do like a financial analysis call where we're pretty much just asking questions. There's no advice given. There's no recommendations. It's just us asking questions to get to better know the uh, the client. And we ask questions about like cash flow, financial needs, wants, objectives, retirement goals, pretty much everything they're doing right now. Are they investing in businesses? Do they have a retirement account? And we kind of want to understand where the client is. And then we do a second call. The second call is the personalized solution call. That's where we pretty much build out a solution for them based off of what we uncovered in the first call. So pretty much kind of, you know, it's, it's really hard for us to assume the situation. So based off the information we collect, we can now structure that policy uh, based on the information we collect and, and what's most relevant and what's actually going to help the client. And then from there, we would submit the, submit the application and then we would do periodic, you know, six month reviews every six months to see, is this all working? Is this all coming together? Is this congruent with what the client had in mind, you know? And if it's not, of course, then we'll pivot, we'll readjust different things and we'll kind of, you know, figure out like, how do we, how do we actually get the clients to help? And, and just to kind of let the, the audience know exactly more about the infinite banking concept, it's pretty much the utilization of dividend paying whole life insurance. Um, and pretty much what that means is whole life insurance has two segments. It has the cash value part and it has the life insurance part. We're mainly focused on the cash value part because we want business owners and real estate investors to use this liquidity over and over again. So we're more concerned about the cash value part of the policy. And, and we pretty much we're structuring these to make sure that, you know, we can actually accomplish this. And one of my favorite things about this guys is it's not just about life insurance. I, I can care less about life insurance and the infinite banking concept. It's the strategy behind it. It's the purpose of it. It's a tool. And because of this tool, a lot of real estate investors and business owners are able to solve this problem using this tool. That's, I think, you know, the most important aspect of what we do is just being problem solvers and, and, and helping clients achieve, you know, their financial goals. So that, that whole life policy, if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, the way you're using it is uh, you're helping accumulate a cash value. Uh, the tax-free benefit of it is because you get to withdraw from those funds as a loan versus a withdrawal. So there's no income uh, tax uh, 
there's no no tax uh, action happening at that point because it's it's a loan, it's not income coming in. Uh, and and uh, but for for those of those people out there who aren't really in that insurance space, isn't there a limit of time where I can completely fund one of these whole life policies? Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's some situations where it can be one time a single premium policy, like a five hundred thousand dollar payment, just one time, and no, it's like buying a house cash, just one time, you're done. And then you have cash value, you have the life insurance, you can always borrow. And then some situations you can do like five years, seven years, 10 years, it's paid up. You've paid up the whole policy and it keeps growing after you paid up. And then a lot of situations you could do it for pretty much forever. You could keep paying it. You can, and then usually we, we, we turn it off at a certain date and depending, depending on how, how old the client is, like for example, if somebody's 20 years old, we'll set it up so that way they can keep paying for it, you know, until they're 60 years old. So that way they can accumulate as much compound interest as possible during that time. But if somebody's like 60 years old, when they start the policy, then we might turn it on for like five or seven years or 10 years. So that way they can retire when they're like 70 years old and then start using the policy for, for, for cash flow, you know, as like, a, as like a pension. And it all comes down to the financial analysis for us to figure out like, when do we turn on, turn off income. But yeah, to answer your question, it could be done, you know, single premium, it could be done five years, seven years, 20 years for life it, it all varies so and and, and i want to clarify some stuff because there's a lot of people who are not 100 in this whole uh insurance space at all so when you talk about whole life policies or you talk about term policies or you talk about fixed index annuities stuff like that uh, it kind of goes over their head so uh, can you clarify real quick the difference between a term policy and a whole life policy why why are we funding this whole life policy versus paying a term payment uh, and then, and then uh, that way we can kind of talk a little bit about you know market caps and and when things are invested or not. Yeah, absolutely. So term life insurance is it's like the title. It has a term period. It's either ten years, twenty years, or thirty years. And then it's only life insurance. There is no cash value. There's no equity in the policy. So pretty much, for example, you would buy a policy, a term policy, pay for it for ten years, and then after ten years, that's it. The policy cancels. It's done. And then you could renew it for another ten years or 20 years or 30 years, but pretty much it's a finite period of time. It ends and there's no cash value. It's like renting, for example, a home. If you live in a home for 10 years, you rent, you leave, you don't take any cash value or equity with you. You kind of just rent it during that time period. Whole life is like, it's like a, it's, it's permanent life insurance. It's for your whole life. And it's like buying a home. You have the market value and then you have the cash or equity in the, in the, in the home. Same thing in whole life insurance. You have a, the life insurance part and then you have cash value or equity that you could use. Of course, the infant and banking concept, it's, it has to be with whole life insurance because we, we need the equity. We need the cash value. It won't work with term life insurance because there is no equity in term life insurance and it ends. So that's pretty much the difference between term and whole life insurance. So when you sit down with somebody uh, and you're looking for... Uh, different ways for them to generate income. What types of things are we looking for? And I'll, I'll give you I'll give you an example. I, I remember early on when I got into the tax practice uh, and we started looking at different ways to fund things, whether it was to have a couple extra hundred bucks a month to uh, pay off debt, or maybe it was a couple extra hundred bucks to do here. We would look at something like their tax refund and they would, you know, clients would come in and they're like, you know, six, seven, eight, ten thousand $10,000 refunds every year. And we go in, readjust their W-4 and rather than waiting at the end of the year to get this 10 grand, we can now take some of that money on a month to month basis and apply it to a debt, apply it to a, to some sort of investment. Um, what kind of strategies are you looking at with clients to help find them money that they don't, that that's actually already there. They just don't realize that they can use it in a different method. Yeah. So I love that. I think that's brilliant. 
uh, just kind of looking for the money. That's exactly what we do. We kind of look for different angles. Like you said, tax refund is one of them. Uh, bonuses from work. Um, if they have a 401k IRA, um, others, some people might have like a 401k from a previous employer that they forgot about. They'll have like $20,000 sitting in that they forgot about they could use for something. Um, if they have like a brokerage account, if they've inherited some money, they have a trust, something like that. We just keep, that's why we we ask these questions is because we kind of want to dig and find out where it's at. Uh, a lot of times it's a 401k or IRA that they just kind of, you know, forgot about that they're contributing towards that they could, and, and not, not to sound against, to be against 401ks or IRAs, but there's there's different things you could do like having it you know, build up over time, regardless of market conditions. That's one thing that you could do in the whole life policies. So yeah, absolutely. We, we look for different angles, different ways to look for the money, to find it, um, even when the clients aren't really aware of it. You know. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about why the market risk, right? So uh, the, the thing about 401ks, IRAs, those types of things is they're invested in the market. So right now the market is super hot, right? Right yeah. now, I mean, I saw the other day when, uh, you know, right after the election, they announced that, you know, COVID strain was, uh, COVID, uh, um, what do you call it? Vaccine was, was like prominent or whatever. And boom, the market shot up. I saw at one point it was like 1200 points up. Right. Yeah. And if you have a 401k and IRA, that is amazing because now you're, you're invested in the market. You're reaping the benefits of the upside in 2000. In 2005, 2006, 2007, we hit a huge downturn. So if you had a 401k and IRA during that time, all of a sudden, Exactly. That might have been what happened in your IRA, your 401k. And if you were 65 at that time, if you're ready to exit the workforce and you were looking to your retirement accounts to be able to use that money to sustain yourself, you just took a 20% hit, 25% hit on your stock portfolio. With the, with with you know now that, that the audience kind of understands where they are when they're investing in a four hundred one k and an IRA, can you tell me about having those market caps and how you're protecting yourself through some of the products that you're offering? Yeah, absolutely, good, awesome question. So, with insurance companies, since we are talking about insurance companies, especially insurance companies that are mutually owned, and I'll get into more on that later, but they're mutually owned insurance companies. They are restricted from places they can invest. They can't invest in the stock market. They can't invest in high risk places. They could only invest like 60 to 80% of their money could only be invested in the bond market about roughly. And then the other 20 to 40% in private loans that they charge interest on. And they even give loans to banks and other institutions. So this is why when, when markets take a hit, insurance companies are still standing. And they've been doing this for over 160 years. They've been paying dividends and compound interest to the policy owners during this time period because they're not hindered or affected by market conditions. They're not invested where everybody else is invested, like in the stock market. Um, and pretty much that's why they're able to keep this compound growth going um, because they are mutually owned. And what mutually owned means is that they give their dividends and profits back to the policy owners as opposed to a stock-owned insurance company, which gives its dividends and profits back to the shareholders. So there's a huge distinction there is that the infinite banking concept or the bank on yourself concept involves using mutually owned insurance companies that have been around for over 160 years and they're not affected by market conditions. Even right from, from for example, back in March of this year when the, the, the markets kind of took a, a slight hit, right? Because of the pandemic and because everything's shutting down, uh, insurance companies didn't take a hit though. They kept paying out dividends. They kept paying out. There was an incline still in, in the policy owners. And I think that's going to be the case. Uh, the companies that we represent, even during 2008, even during the Great Depression, they've still been around, they've still been paying dividends and compound interest to the policy orders. So I think that's, so looking forward, you know, if there is a crash, you know, hopefully not, but let's just say there's a crash next year, 
those who have their cash sitting in whole life insurance, especially the, the infant and banking way and in, with mutually owned insurance companies, their cash value is not going to be affected. It's going to keep growing. It's going to keep compounding and keep earning dividends on that money as if, you know, there's nothing happening in the economy. And what about uh, some of these other policies that are involved on the life side too? So some things like fixed index annuities that are capped. So uh, can you explain what those caps are? In other words, if we're talking about this awesome market that's shooting up, you know, 10, 15%, all of a sudden, you know, it doesn't look so attractive when I'm looking at a fixed index annuity who has a cap, but on the plus side, when it tanks 25%, where's the upside of that when you're buying some of these other products? Yeah. So annuities are definitely better. I think it's uh, for people that are older, people that I want to, for example, retire, they have like an IRA, they built up like, for example, like $500,000 in the IRA, they retired instead of paying taxes on all of that money, they could roll it into a fixed index annuity and then kind of just have this monthly income now, this monthly income stream. So in that sense, it would be good. And of course, like you said, there is a cap, right? Usually it's like between like, uh, like five and 10%, like the minimum they'll pay you is 5%, the maximum, even if the market goes up high, they'll cap it at a certain rate because that's, a, that's the risk the insurance company is taking. They're guaranteeing you a floor of, of like 5% and a maximum too. So, but, but if somebody's super, super concerned about like high returns in the stock market and that's exactly what they want, I don't think a fixed index annuity would be a good fit for them. If they're constantly like chasing high returns, maybe something like a variable annuity would be good for, better for them, even though there's risks, there's more risks involved with that. I just think that if somebody's constantly saying like, I want high returns, high returns on a fixed index annuity is, uh, is not really a good fit. Fixed index annuity is more of like somebody just wanting guaranteed money, like guaranteed 5% and guaranteed income and the tax benefits, of course, of rolling in like the IRA or 401k into the fixed index annuity. So let me ask you, uh, you, you were talking about uh, the infinite banking program and we've just had an election. So we're changing, uh, you know, from, from red to blue, things are all up in the air. We don't know if the, if the, uh, if they're going to shut us down for another six weeks or whatever they're talking about doing. Uh, and there's a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of people who are afraid of what's going to happen, not only with their own e economics, but at the same time, they have this fear of getting sick and maybe possibly dying. What, uh, what kind of conversations are you having with people as these fears start to settle in, as they start to see what's going on in other parts of the world? How, what kind of conversation are you having with them to help them see that, you know, this, this life insurance thing that, that you're selling is really truly more of a love product and it can also be used as an investment strategy? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's an amazing question, and it's a very sensitive conversation. Of course, to talk to people. I think people are really scared about just what's going to happen, and, and as far as like what what could happen financially, like because we we're, for example, we're in Chicago, we keep, we're going back to a lockdown now, and you know, so like people don't know like how the economy is going to play out, especially business owners who are dependent on like for example restaurants and bars and things like that. Like they just don't know like how to stay in business. So I think that you know having the conversation with clients to show them that like they could use these policies and 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 kind of recycle their money over and over again so even if there is some sort of downturn they always have access to this money it's definitely something that they're kind of they look forward to that they could pretty much park their money somewhere and have um have the exponential growth that's going to happen regardless of what happens in the economy but but specifically uh, to kind of prevent some issues from happening a lot of situations a lot of restaurants and bars, for example, here in Chicago and other businesses, not just restaurants and bars, but other businesses too, were able to actually survive during the pandemic because of their cash reserves, because of where they had their money saved and, and, and earning compound interest. And a lot of the people had their money saved into whole life insurance. 
So it was a way to kind of mitigate or, or prevent this problem from happening of, of going out of business. You know, the SBA has uh, you know put out an article at the beginning of the pandemic saying that uh, it only takes like 18 days of no income for a small, for the average small business to go out of business in the United States because a lot of businesses don't have cash reserves. So by simply having the cash reserves and having the mindset of, of storing away a certain percentage of sales or monthly sales or quarterly sales into a cash earning account, like a whole life policy over time, when something like this happens, you will have a way to pivot out of your business. Like a lot of, a lot of, for example, restaurants in Chicago that got hit really hard with the, or they got hit hard with the pandemic, but had the cash reserves, they were able to pivot and like build like outdoor seating, you know, overnight pretty much. It cost them a lot of money to do that, but they were able to save their business. And again, it's not all about restaurants I'm talking about, but also other businesses that have the cash reserves, they can make these pivots and, and these quick churns uh, because of their cash reserves. So cash is king, of course, you know. Well, let's talk about those businesses real quick. Uh, when it comes to funding things, I know that when we're talking 401ks, when we're talking uh, specific, uh, some, some uh, employer-sponsored plans, there are certain restrictions and limitations on how much money I can put into these things. They're tax-deferred, those sorts of things. But on the, on the individual side, on the whole life side, what kind of restrictions do we have? And can I you know, parlay them with my business so that my business funds them a little bit versus me just funding them individually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I'll answer the second part first. So yeah, you can have a policy owned by you or individually or by your business and both have their pros and cons. Um, and then of course, you know, there's a lot of tax benefits with these. So the growth of the policies as it's earning compound interest and dividends, it's growing tax deferred, meaning that if you have, for example, $100,000 in a policy and then it grows to $110,000, you don't have to claim that on your taxes. And in a lot of situations, when you're going to take that money out, even when there are gains in the policy, you don't have to pay taxes on those gains because you're under current tax law. That's how policies are structured. And if you've already paid taxes on those dollars going into it. So there's a lot of, definitely a lot of tax benefits involved with the utilization of the infinite banking concept. And as far as um, the differences between like a 401k, a 401k is like pre-tax. So you're not paying taxes on the money going into it. But when you take the money out at a later date, you're going to pay taxes on it. So it kind of creates this like dilemma, like should I pay tax on the money now going to, into the vehicle or should I get a, a, a slight deduction and then put the money in and then take the money out at a later date and pay tax on the money? The problem is though, I'm going to say that it's better to pay tax on it now and then put it into something that grows tax deferred and then you take the money out tax free later because we know what tax rates are right now. We don't know what tax rates will be in the future. And I definitely think that they will be much higher than they are right now because of a lot of variables like the Medicare budget, Medicaid budget, uh, the interest on national debt, the social security budget, all these budgets are going up like crazy, exponentially increasing over time. So the government is gonna need a way to recoup these costs and they're gonna do so by increasing tax rates. So this way, if you are able to put money into a whole life policy and pay taxes on it, put it into the policy, now you convert over to the 0% tax bracket. And then as, these inflations have not inflations, but increases in taxes happen, then you've created a hedge against these increase in tax rates. You have, your money is protected from the spike in taxes because of the undercurrent tax law. That's how insurance companies are treated. So you want to figure out a way, I think, in my opinion, to get as, as, mu as much money as possible into the 0% tax bracket. And of course, you're not, you're not locking it away there. You're able to recycle this, these tax-free dollars over and over again. 
It's like walking into a dark room, ladies and gentlemen. You know what's in there right now when the lights are off, but as soon as you turn the lights off, you don't know what's going to happen. It could be that we have way lower tax rates in the future, but it could be that you have way higher tax rates in the future. The only thing you know for certain is what's going on right now. And let's, uh, let's not forget the ultimate actual truth about any of these strategies is that this is a life policy. So although we're planning for a future, future for all of us inevitably is death, hopefully later than sooner, but that is ultimately what's going to happen to us. What happens if as I'm accumulating this money, if I don't have this whole life policy paid out, what happens if I die? Yeah. So if you pass away and you have this policy and let's say that you have an outstanding loan, like you have, like, for example, you borrowed a hundred thousand dollars and your life insurance is a million dollars, then your family would get the life insurance minus any outstanding loans. That's pretty much how it works. And, uh, Sure. And and the beauty about that is uh, the cash disbursements from life insurance policies, as you as we've been talking about taxes, right? Those are tax free the disbursements. So when your family collects on a life insurance policy that you left behind, mm-hmm. it is the sad day because you passed away. But they're not going to struggle on that financial aspect because that money coming in, Uncle Sam can't touch it. Is that correct? We're not just doing this for money. We're doing it for a shitload of money. That's right. <laughs> Hopefully not dying for a shitload of money, right? <laughs> Hopefully yeah. not dying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a, it's a very powerful estate planning strategy to kind of have all your money pretty much go somewhere that's going to be in the 0% tax bracket. That's going to grow tax deferred. And then when you pass away, it's going to go to your family tax-free under the current tax law. And of course, other benefits that I want to kind of slip into, and that is asset protection. And, you know, asset protection, this is my, one of my favorite pieces about or benefits about this is that in most states, and you want to verify this with a lawyer because since I'm not a lawyer, but the cash value that sits in a whole life policy is protected from, from creditors and, and predators and people trying to sue you because it's not, it's, it's pretty much judgment proof. And depending on the state you're in and, and, and exempt from bankruptcy, so you can have all this money sitting in a, in a cash value life insurance policy protected from creditors and predators at the 0% tax bracket that's still liquid to you, that's not hindered by market conditions, and you could use this money for anything you want. There's no restrictions on what you could use money for. So I think it's all around. It's more than just you know one angle to this. There's numerous angles that I think a lot of business owners need to understand. It's not either or. It's not either you put money into a whole life policy or you put it into real estate or you put it in the stock market. It's a way we can kind of do all these things at the same time. You can fund the whole life policy, build up the cash value, borrow from it, use it for whatever you want while it's protected from creditors and predators, while it's protected from a spike in, in tax rates, while you're protecting your family, like all with the same dollars over and over again. Protection, protection, protection. Oh, Man, you can preach it to high school kids. You can preach it to adults, and it means two different things in the same sentence. Siri, <laughs> <laughs> uh, last little thing. Uh, let's make sure you let the audience know if they want to work with you and get a hold of you to talk about the infinite banking strategy. Uh, for our listening audience, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah, they can go to my website, finassetprotection.com. It's F-I-N, assetprotection.com. And then there you can schedule a free appointment. All my appointments are done virtually. So we can jump on the phone or over Zoom and yeah, schedule a free appointment. And I look forward to hearing from you guys. Awesome, man. Hey, dude, for sure. You have another show after this or this is show number three for the day? No, this is the third one. I'm done for today. 
I figured, man, we're West Coast time. You're on the East Coast. It's a little bit later for you. Hey, man, thank you again yeah. for coming on the show and sharing. Uh, I mean, again, what you're doing uh, is is a strategy. It's a good strategy as well. Uh, and, and like anything else, and, and I share this with a lot of different people, become knowledgeable in each one of these strategies. Not every single strategy is for you, but you won't know until you actually sit down with somebody and see if this is a fit for you. So, Sari, thank you very much for coming on the show and sharing that because, uh, I mean, dude, that's what it's all about. Knowledge and understanding what's out there, understanding the possibilities. Uh, if, you know, you're making a hundred grand a year. It doesn't seem like you can invest in huge amounts of things, but there are strategies out there for you to sit down and protect your assets, protect your family, get yourself in a position so that you're creating wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow. So thanks Rose. a lot. Well, we're going, we don't need roads. That's right. But where we're going is going to be Wednesday tomorrow, ladies and gents. We'll see you again manana. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast at Business Bros Pod is our handle. We'll see you again tomorrow. Peace. And we're out. Thank you for listening to the Business Bros Podcast. Are you looking to get more clients or to increase your income? Hernan, the business bro, can help you generate referrals through the power of podcasting. And James, the insurance bro with Pipeline Insurance, can help you effectively add insurance to your existing business. If you are ready to create wealth today and generational wealth for tomorrow, email businessbros at csfirst.com to schedule a free consultation or join the Business Bros Network, www.businessbros.biz.